Welcome to the Driving Force Podcast, a podcast for new and aspiring leaders within the transportation and logistics industry. I'm your host, AP, and along with Matt Loggins, we have over 20 years of combined experience within the transportation and logistics industry. But more importantly, we're young, hungry, and nimble, and we've used that to our advantage to navigate, advance, and grow in an ever-changing industry. So without further ado, here is the Driving Force Podcast. Hello, everyone. Uh, thanks for tuning into the Driving Force podcast. This week, we thought we'd take a moment to reflect and highlight some of our best moments from our previous podcast. If you're just joining our journey, I encourage you to check out our previous episodes. First up, we'll review a few key topics from Aaron Sonia's journey into logistics. From the first time you got into the industry into now, how, how have you had to change your way of thinking um, um, in order to achieve your end results and to help you grow within the industry? So I would say I was extremely aggressive in the beginning. You know, I really didn't care. Like I just, I knew I needed something and I was going to get, I guess, what I needed from, from, from someone, but it really, I guess it doesn't really work that way. So I, my whole thought process changed and, you know, I had to develop relationships and think about, you know, how can I help this person to help me? You know, so I was able to navigate through those, you know, situations, I guess. Yeah, no. So and that's something that we talked about on our, you know, our previous podcast is that those relationships and those that, you know, how you network, it, it matters, you know, um, probably and from our, from, at least from my opinion, I think more in this industry uh, than most people realize um, because everything is is personal, right? I mean, yes, there are things that have to be done and there are exchanges that have to be had to get business done, but how you retain um, those those partnerships is based on how they feel, you know, treated to, to, from my perspective. Would you, would you, uh, would you agree? I, I would, I would totally agree. Um, because I have found that throughout my career, the more relationships that I, that I have and and make throughout the way, the the easier I am to be able to, um, I guess, do my job in a way. Well, and speaking to that, Aaron, you know, talking about networking relationships, how, I guess you said about three or four years ago, is really when you really started saying, hey, I need mentors, I need people that can help me. How do you decide or how did you decide in the past um, who you wanted to network with like what were you looking for in that person um to, to grow from or learn from so i guess in, in in the beginning when i started my role in marketing i realized very quickly that i still enabled to do my job uh, you know effectively in market do pray and market the dedicated business which is what the position was at the time I had a whole lot to learn um, and so I didn't realize what I was doing at the time but while I knew I needed to learn I needed to find people who could teach me and so I, I asked a lot of questions to a lot of different people and I think that um, the relationships that I was able to form you know in the one or two years were with the people who took the time, um, you know, who wanted to explain to me about their business and how their business worked um, at Dupre, you know, and th how long they had been with Dupre and the experiences they, they had had and 
stuff like that. So I think that that was the most important thing that I, when I look back, that all of the, I guess, relationships I formed had in common. You know, they enjoyed talking about it. All aspects of my job, you know, if a situation comes up, I, I can think, okay, I know that this person can help me with this. Um, which before I would not know where to start, you know, where to go, or even if that person would help me to, you know, get what I needed. So I would say networking is extremely important and I've benefited so much from the network, you know, that I've be, been able to create while I've been at Dupre. For people that maybe students right now with, with COVID-19 going on, they're, they're trying to find a job in marketing. What, what are some of the things that you would say for them to do as far as preparation goes to transition into that role, especially in the transportation field? I would say that um, if I, before I got into marketing with a company, I would work for that company to learn as much information as I could about the company. I feel like that's been huge um, for me is that I knew a lot about the company. So I was able to do, I still had a lot to learn, but I was able to do, um, you know, my job better. And I had knowledge about the transportation industry because when you know nothing about transportation, it's kind of impossible to market services for transportation. Um, so I would say that. And then from the marketing perspective, I would say, um, I mean, marketing, the marketing that I learned in college is nothing like what marketing, what marketing is. Yeah. So I self-taught everything, honestly, that I learned, you know, the software, Google Analytics, the website, SEO, which is probably kind of foreign language, but like all of those, there's so many different aspects to marketing that, you know, when you graduate and you get a marketing job, I would say before that to self-educate as much as you can, you know, take courses online, read blogs, you know, white papers and don't stop because marketing changes all the time. You know, one thing may be popular this week, LinkedIn may be the place to advertise this week, but then next week it's Facebook. So be familiar with all of the different platforms, you know, all everything, have a bunch of different skill sets. Next up, we have Josh Peake, who highlights the importance of servant leadership, communication, and people skills. You know, I spent a couple months leading into it to understand just how he was as a person. You know, and I think the thing that you know, kind of setting over the top with him was his servant leadership, right? And that, that's a big deal. And I feel like today that we struggle seeing a lot of that anymore. I feel like um, you see a lot of executives or higher ups that just sit up there and there's a lot of finger pointing. And so to me, um, that doesn't bode well with me. I love someone that still can get down in the weeds or can interact or, you know, uh, be calm, cool and collected and just down to earth with me. And, you know, that's the thing that resonated with me. And so him and I just hit it off. It may not have been the same for somebody else. Um, but that definitely like we, we just clicked. And from there on, it went great. And like I said, it, there were some tough times, you know, I, he was still, um, you know, my, my SVP at the time. Um, and so he had some, you know, tough, some tough, uh, goals and objectives for objectives for me. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it's pushed me and made me a lot better person in a lot of different ways. And it's made me grow within the company for sure. 
if you could give your yourself, uh, you know, some some advice or, or somebody new getting into the the industry, um, supply chain replenishment, what what should they be doing right now? Like if they just graduated, what should they be doing to prepare for the type of role that you have now? Obviously, it takes steps to get there, but what should they do to kind of get ready for something like that? Yeah, that's a great question, um, and that's. So funny you asked me that because um, we've been going through some renditions right now to put a deck together for interns and future uh, candidates coming into Walmart, right? And so I don't think it's any secret how important technology is right now and how it's only going to continue to grow. Um, The one thing that's going to set you apart from anyone else is being able to have uh, great critical thinking skills and being analytical. I think those two right there alone definitely set you up for success. I think um, another one that that's a great quality that could definitely help you in um, would just be, you know, the people communication skills. You have to be able to interact with people. You can't just be a robot behind a desk and be super good at coding and stuff like that. It's important to be able to look at the numbers and do that kind of stuff, but you have to be able to tell a story right now, right? And so I think that's what... I've learned over the last couple of years is when you get all this data and stuff, how do you tell the story with it? Because that's what everyone's wanting to know. From the people skills, I think that's just important that um, the roll-ups and the recaps and how you interact with people and different teams is going to, is just super important. Uh, anymore, people are being taught to have a general manager mindset. Right. So you should be able to do like in my role today, um, I I touch some of the buying stuff. I do some of the replenishment stuff. I do some of the demand stuff, which is forecasting. Um, I've got another team that's modulars. So if you go down an aisle at Walmart and you see the stuff on the side counter, that's called that's called a modular. And there's different things that happen in that job than what I do. I can do a little bit of that. So you have to be able to have that general manager mindset. I think that's important. You can still be a SME, a subject matter expert in your role today, but you have to be able to cross pollinate into different categories or positions in order to set yourself apart from other people. It's a competitive market. Um, There's a lot of smart um, graduates, whether it be undergrads um, or people coming in with MBAs and stuff right now that, I mean, they're good. <laughs> I've seen some people come in and just like knock my socks off. Up next, we chatted with Elise Fournette, AKA the problem assassin. She talked about mentoring, the aptitude to learn and understanding the business. Who were some of your mentors along the way when you were going into IT? And and I know you had people from other verticals and, and different things. So yeah. So so again, I don't. I'm still not necessarily you know an IT professional in a lot of ways, right? It's it's not. I'm, I'm way you know what I said way muddier than that. So like I said, that first CEO Scott certainly was a huge a huge piece. And he the other thing he did that always like tell people about when he was training his technical intern and he would be explaining a technical concept you know how dns works or how you know iis settings are set up or something like that i would pull up a chair right and watch him walk through the whiteboard and talk through whatever it was you know lesson of the day was and he was always happy to let me spend that time even though he was never going to ask to make my own dns settings or anything like that but context was important and i learned that very quickly that generally if you ask people will let you tag along so you have to be good at your job you have to be good enough you have to be covering what you're responsible for 
But if you can make some space in your own schedule, if you can be good time management, then the other piece is just ask, right? Can I watch? Can I come? Would you let me sit in? Can I can I see how you put together that proposal? Can you tell me why you're so focused on this thing? Most people like talking about themselves, what they do, what they do well, is always a conversation people are generally willing to have. It's what I learned how to do building websites. What, what tell, you know, I've got two hours, tell me about your business, um, was a conversation and a questioning, you know, kind of solicitation concept that I got very good at. It's the same even now, like I said, now that I'm kind of internal, it's definitely that, you know, I get, I get sent on assignment basically at this point and got told, get told, okay, go work with this, you know, business group now. And it's kind of the first thing. Okay. I know retail gas, tell me what's different about crude than retail gas. And generally they're like everything. And I'm like, I don't really believe you, but okay. And so my responsibility for myself is right. I always handle, you know, my day job, what am I been tasked to do, but always also like I trying to make some space to do things that are a little bit off book, like, like a podcast. Right. Um, <laughs> so now that I manage people, um, that's certainly something that I make a point of reminding them to do. So we run right now, my group, we run kind of 90 day training campaign. So I've got such a mixed group. Everybody's on a different training track, but we all sign up and kind of hold ourselves accountable that, okay, this 90 days, this is my improvement, you know, kind of objectives. And some of them are very technical. I'm going to learn these things. I'm going to watch these videos, get these certifications. But some of it is I'm going to go sit with this dispatch group and I'm going to learn the billing process in this division, or I'm going to spend some time on site at this application. And to me, those are equally valuable. Being knowledgeable about what we do in our industry, and, you know, from a technology side is incredibly important, but it's, it's not enough because you don't know how to leverage it yet. So you have to go see the business. So you know how to apply these security features in a way that's going to bring value. Right. And it helps, helps you understand their pain. Yeah. How do you kind of connect these dots and how do you, how do you really bring a solution? Because otherwise, you're just bringing tech. It's just a, it's just a cool tool. Just code on a page. It's just a pretty picture. But if the pretty picture does something for them, now you're talking. Um, and now you've got people. So I definitely still do that myself. But then, like I said, we also uh, it's become a part of my team training objectives. So in, in spinning that forward, so when you're about to hire someone and knowing how you were exposed to businesses and, and how you think, what are some of the things you look for when you're hiring some, some, someone and, and is a familiarity with the transportation industry needed? Yeah. So I, um, again, I want to hire problem solvers and that shows up in a lot of different ways. You do not go to school and get a problem solving degree. Sometimes they went to school. Sometimes they didn't go to school. So credentials are good and I don't discount them at all, but it's not um, a deal breaker. I'll bring somebody in and go, tell me what you know. Tell me what you know how to do. Tell me how you've applied what you know how to do in a way that was, you know, was useful. And if they can walk me through that, that for me is kind of one of those key, key indicators. The other thing is, can they communicate? Because there are a lot of technology people who are brilliant and cannot translate what they know how to do to anyone else. And it's not that those people don't have a role in an organization, but they're usually a minority. There's usually only a couple of those kind of people 
that are true specialists all the way in the corner and never talk to anybody. They just work on the cut. Most of us have to have some level of, of engagement out in the wild. So even my rookie service desk guys, right? Hey, when they call and say, it's broke, you know how to say, okay, what's broke, right? Um, and y'all are laughing because y'all have all made those calls to service desk and going, it's broken. And they're like, what is broken, right? First question is, is it plugged in? Um, do you see power? So, right. So can, do they have some innate problem skills? Can they be taught problem solving in a true rookie, you know, kind of position? Do I think you have the aptitude of learning how to troubleshoot and how to walk through a problem? And then are you clever or creative enough to offer some solutions? And even if they're terrible, do you at least have a couple ideas to start with? Those are, those are fundamental kind of like that IT skills. So I, again, did not come from logistics. I do not know that you need to come from logistics. So I've hired a few people in the last few years. I, none of them have come from logistics. I've got a, you know, a zero so far of hiring logistics professionals um, into my group. But I've hired people who've come from you know healthcare and people who have come from other uh, manufacturing type um, instances. When you look at it, when you look at logistics as a supply chain cog, it does look very very similar base operations to a lot of other you know industries. So if you understand how a hospital works, how all those pieces fit together to provide that service. You can come here and kind of go, okay, well, at the end of the day, the service we provide is transport, but the pieces it takes to get to the actual transport part and post, get it to the invoicing and, you know, payment part, kind of the same. Um, there's some real similes. For people looking to get into the uh, maybe recent graduates, so people looking to, to to get roles inside the transportation logistics industry from an IT perspective, what is what are one to two things that you think that they should to do to maybe expose themselves or prepare themselves for the the transition? So I think a lot of people come into IT on a service desk or in a service desk capacity, and service desk is hard. You know, it's it's call center, it's answering questions all day long, it's resetting passwords. Did you check your power? Um, there's some you know, some really kind of tedious parts about it, but what it does is it gives you a front porch view to people's business. You see people working. You see what they're doing. You see what they're doing every day, good and where they're paying. And so if you can pay attention and see trends, see opportunity, and like I said, and then be brave enough to kind of ask them, hey, why do you always have a printer problem at 3.30 in the afternoon? And they're going to answer you, well, because I have to print all my BOLs and, you know, there's 450 of them and the printer always, okay, well, right. Well, you know, I mean, that starts to show what they're really working on versus just what the computer tells. And so, you know, taking advantage of those entry-level positions to see that, right, tech is usually a very small cog in a very big engine. People process like that, partners, vendors, all of the above. And so wherever your first, you know, chair is in a technology organization, trying to see how what you do fits, I think is a huge, is a huge step up. And lastly, we chatted with Kevin Eisenberg, who discussed the importance of learning, networking, mentoring, and things he looks for in a potential supply chain and logistics candidate. One thing I recommend to everyone is get those vast experiences and an array of knowledge and modes and providers, be on the shipper side, and then really uh, get a full picture of what logistics can do and what you can do in logistics.
thing about Jeff that was so interesting was, and still is, is that he mentored so many people that he probably didn't even think he was a mentor for me. And his ability to find common ground and to get uh, people to follow him is like nothing I've ever seen. He's just uh, lays things out in a very simple fashion so that everybody can follow what he's saying. He's also a hell of a humble guy too. So uh, he was he was a mentor to me before he knew he's a mentor and uh, probably doesn't think that he ever was. Second person who I would call a mentor uh, was not in logistics at all. Uh, her name is Linda Lloyd and she was a career coach. I met her back in, gosh, probably 2009, 2010. Uh, she was the VP of a major bank and she really helped me with my resume and interviewing. But most importantly, and kind of the reason I'm here in the recruiting role now is she really helped me to understand what networking was and what it was all about and how to network and how to build relationships with others and to help them network and to uh, allow them to help me network and very, very valuable, valuable lesson I learned. Probably uh, my latest mentor who doesn't know that she's a mentor and maybe listening to our podcast is uh, Rachel Hayden. So Rachel is the CEO of Confidential Career Solutions. And what I admire about her and what I've learned is that I always know where I stand and everyone knows where he or she stands with Rachel. She's always taking the high road and she, she uh, doesn't just take a side of I'm a client recruiter or I'm a candidate recruiter. She's out to make sure that fit for the candidate and for the client is always the right fit. Doing things with integrity. There are plenty of people that will talk about integrity, uh, mention it on LinkedIn. I do things with integrity, but Rachel doesn't have to do that. She just does things with integrity and, and has built quite a reputation. always try to stay humble. I mean, here's a guy that has had huge success by anybody's measure and just stays humble. It's not out to prove anything to anybody. Never going to use the fanciest words. Just somebody that stays stays level-headed and that you talk about a, a guy that has integrity. I mean, he's he's just a guy that does things the right way when it'd be easier to do things, take shortcuts, never will do it, ever will do it. And so with me, you know, I try to try to do the right thing and try to uh, model myself after Jeff and, and his humility and his uh, sort of keeping things simple mentality. And so, you know, you won't see me with big words, you know, do I understand vocabulary? Sure. But I don't, I don't go out and, and throw out, you know, 20 syllable words and, and expect people to think I'm smart because of that. I just, stay stay in my own space uh, with with Linda uh, the networking is something that I started doing and I've helped others to uh, get jobs throughout my career when I wasn't even you know I wasn't getting paid to do it uh, I have one friend who's in uh, Chattanooga who I literally found three jobs for you know I like doing it I like connecting people and so with Linda once I learned about networking and that I enjoyed it then it really led me to you know an interest in recruiting because I thought well I'm networking and finding roles for people I might as well get paid for it so with uh, with Rachel you know I've taken the mentality of I don't need to be showy which I've never been a really showy guy anyway but with her it's just you lay out here are the facts here's what we see here's what we don't see and let's all make a group decision together and she really brings together the, the candidates' uh, sort of cultural fit, the client's needs, and, and really uh, does the thorough job of making sure that everything is, is the right fit for all parties. And so to me, I take that holistic view and, and make sure that I follow in her footsteps. What are you looking for in a candidate and, and what do you think makes um, successful candidates? Uh, well, I think first of all, to the extent possible, it's not job specific. And by that, I mean, I look for somebody with what I call the three three combination. Confidence, can they do the job? Confidence, do they have confidence to do the job well? And I've 
said this one a few times, humility. Are they going to be a good team player? Are they somebody that's coachable? And then in addition to that, I want somebody who has clear communication. You know, if I'm talking to somebody on the phone and I get sort of a, uh, yeah, I think I might be able to do that, or I'm not sure, then I know that person's either not confident or uh, isn't clear in communication, or maybe that uh, he or she isn't, isn't really up for making a move. And then the other thing I look for is I look for written communication. You know, how are their emails? Are they grammatically correct? You'd be surprised, by the way. Or uh, in addition to that, response time. You know, if it takes two or three days to get back to me, that person either isn't aggressive enough in response time or may not be aggressive enough in asking for business or following up with customers. So I try to try to evaluate all these things into how will that person do in this role. So yeah, I guess AP, it is somewhat role specific in the end, but it's if I find the right candidate, I'll find the right fit for that candidate. For someone looking to maybe enter, you know, the industry and, and pursue a, a recruiting uh, role, what are a few things you think they need to be exposed to or, or focus on to help them achieve that goal? I thought about that. And I think from a high level, they need to have relatable successes. And by that, I mean, if they're in sales, as an example, they need to know their sales numbers, revenue margin, uh, or if maybe on the supply chain, they want to get on the supply chain side, uh, where have they saved companies money and how they've done it. Uh, and then further, they need to be assertive. You know, this industry is not for the faint of heart. I mean, I think we'd all agree on that. And then follow through, you know, if you get told no once, some of these companies, you know, 3PLs, major manufacturers, they're going to tell candidates no just to see what they do and see how they respond. Because, you know, especially in the in the 3PL environment, a customer tells you no once and you hang up and you go pout and, you know, go home and say, I didn't get business. It's not for you. Well, look, I, I think that that's probably the biggest nugget of information that, that we've ever had dropped on this podcast and it's nuanced and it's subtle. But how you respond to adversity matters. Yeah. To your point, if you go and pout in the corner, you get told that, you know, something you don't like, it speaks volumes about your ability to do other roles within the industry. And so, yeah, I mean, look, you know, this is, I'm glad you said that, Kevin. I'm, I'm, that's, 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 that's powerful stuff. I'm glad you said <laughs> from a recruiter angle, because, so that's, that's even makes it even better. Well, and that's why we wanted you on, on because we knew you would have the inside track on some of that stuff. And to your point, I've seen a lot of posts on LinkedIn and just, just stories about people that have been denied and it took them three, four, five times going back to that employer. You know, maybe they didn't have a role right then or something didn't work out with the interview, but they were professional. They, they thanked them for their time. I, I'm amazed at how many I read that people, they don't even thank the interviewer for their time or uh, the opportunity to interview. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Matt. And and uh, we do have, uh, I've seen in the past where we've had clients say, if if, uh, if I don't get an, a, a thank you from, a follow-up thank you from a candidate, I won't, I won't make an offer. Typically what I tell them, again, I'm all about aggression and follow-through. Typically what I tell my candidates is, yeah, you want to follow up within 24 hours of having your interview. If it's me, I mean, I've, I've had interviews where I've gone out in the parking lot after the interview and sent my thank you email in the parking lot. <laughs> same here, same here. Because, I mean, you know, you can't be too aggressive. But it goes back to being prepared at the fundamental part of this is, is being prepared, having a, a plan of action and not going in, you know, freewheeling, thinking that, you know, the opportunity is going to fall in your lap, but really having a plan of action, being, being, having a roadmap to lead you to some sort of success. So that's, that's perfect. Uh, the last thing I would say there is you're going to, 
you're gonna hear this for the third time today. They gotta to network and they've got to find out if they're not in the industry, who do they know that's in the industry or who do they know whose friends in the industry and not necessarily that they're gonna get a job at that particular company, but find out more, you know, spend a day in the job and shadow that person, figure out, you know, is this, is this something I'm interested in or, you know, or quite frankly, is this something I can tolerate <laughs> because it's, it's an adventure. Thanks again for listening. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast. We believe these nuggets can help you elevate your game to the next level. Please reach out and connect with our guests. You can find the direct links to our guest's LinkedIn profiles in the show notes. You can also find Matt and I's profiles as well. On next week's episode, we chat with Brent Abair, Chief Administrative Officer at Dupre Logistics. Brent will share his journey and the lessons he's learned along the way. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. As always, thanks for listening. And remember, you're closer to your destination than where you started from. So don't look back, don't turn back, keep moving, Keep pushing.